many women of color, and in fact, many people struggle with imposter syndrome, the idea that, am I of value? Am I of worth? What am I doing here? Am I seen? And there's a statistic that 70% of people actually struggle with this. And it's, it includes white people. So it's not just the people of color issue. Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs, and small business owners build their businesses after long careers as employees. We believe you should be able to do more of what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. Today on Smashing the Plateau, I'm speaking with executive coach Annalisa Kiros Wolf. In today's episode, you will learn how to own your value and reach your highest potential. Stay with us to hear all the details. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Annalisa Kiros-Wolf. Annalisa is an executive coach and diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitator. She is committed to guiding leaders, especially women and people of color, and organizations to their highest potential. She's been in leadership throughout her 24 career as CEO of a charter school network, captain in the U.S. Air Force, and brand manager for a Fortune 200 company. Annalisa is also a Fulbright Scholar and graduated with her BA from Stanford, MBA from Northwestern, and Masters from the Broad Center, now at Yale. Annalisa is also the author of Balak Bayan, A Filipino Homecoming, Asian Americans Who Inspire Us and Native Americans Who Inspire Us. Annalisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. You've had a fascinating career with incredible educational credentials, as I've just read, followed by a varied and inspiring professional trajectory. And I'd love to hear just a little more of some of the details of your journey to get us started. A lot of it, David, comes from my family. With my parents immigrating from the Philippines to the United States, it was this idea of the American dream. And so my service to our country through the Air Force and in education, and now even serving particularly diverse leaders, particularly women of color, it's all been driven by how can I serve? So I'd say that's actually part of the Filipino values is this phrase, utang nalaub, which means literally debt from the inside. So all of it's been driven by service. Yeah, I could certainly see that. And from um, getting to know you a little bit before recording this episode, it certainly is, um, is very apparent from what you've done in your career. I'm also curious, you know, in addition to focusing on service, you've also had some varied roles where you've been uh, been of service and also been in leadership roles. And, you know, being able to migrate from one kind of position to another has its challenges. And you seem to have both made these transitions and also embody what it means to be a successful leader in your new roles through each transition. And I'm curious to know a little bit about how you did that. A lot of what I've done, while it might seem planned, it's actually been driven by who I am and who I want to be. 
And so I've been a nerd in learning about potential and alignment and values in North Star. This whole topic has been a passion of mine since I was young. And even at Stanford, I tried to talk to my English teacher and I asked her, can I do a thesis on people's passions? And she said, well, we're looking for something academic to look at an English literature paper and um, go deep. And I was like, well, it's really important to think about passion because if we don't have passion, then we lack purpose. And that ends up, I don't think, serving the world. And so she looked at me with this, this freshman from Stanford, what in the world are you talking about? But it's really driven me, David to think about who I want to be in this world, how I want to show up, how I want to serve. And so each of those pivots have been about that. The first one in the Air Force, my dad was 22 years in the Navy, and he was the one who suggested serving our country. And I thought, that's no, not even aligned to who I am, dad. And he said, well, actually, there's a ton you could do in terms of serving leadership. And it would be, even if you just served for five, four or five years, you would be able to give back and then go to the next thing of continuous service. So each time I've made these pivots from the Air Force, I then wanted to have more impact, but more direct impact specifically for young people. And then realizing that if I got my MBA, I could be better positioned to have impact than got that. Uh, while I was at my business school at Northwestern, I met my husband and I fell in love. I also realized that there was an opportunity to gain more skills in the business sector. So that's why I spent a couple of years in brand management and actually helped me both the Air Force and the brand management job helped me to set up for strong leadership and impact in nonprofit and education. There's so many parallels about what is a good leader? What does diversity, equity, inclusion mean when we're trying to help our young people? So each of those pivots have been about centering what really matters to me and how I can help others. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm also curious to know how, you know, with each of these pivots, you've gone from, from a role in, a, in an industry or, or you've been focused on a particular discipline, that your new roles have been, at least from the outside, it seems like a significant difference. And it's not necessarily so simple to be able to get someone to offer you a job in a new role if you don't have what seems like very linear credentials. Or if it's uh, something entrepreneurial, it takes time, effort, and, and other factors to be able to gain traction. Yeah, that resonates. I remember being at Northwestern and trying to apply for jobs. And Northwestern is known for being a brand school, a marketing school. And so these jobs at, say, Procter & Gamble, Colgate Palmolive, they're highly coveted. It's amazing how Clorox, I mean, people really, really want those jobs. And I'm competing with really bright people. And I'm trying to market myself as someone who would be great for a brand job. And I remember during these interviews, David, they would say, you spent four or five years in the military, was that, you know, how is that even applied to marketing? Like how, how is your experience going to help our brand? And it's finding those connections that I think is important that actually there's a lot more than crawling in the mud in the military. And there's more than just service. It's also about strong leadership. What does it mean to develop a team to lead, not just through formal structures, but a lot of informal, strong cultural values, ways of helping the team rally even when it's tough. And those skills have actually propelled me in my entire career. I think that even with 
business school and all these different brands that I have on my resume, the Air Force, the military experience probably has been the most powerful of all of all experiences to helping me be the leader I am today. So Annalisa, would you say that all these le- different kinds of leadership experiences have helped you focus on what you're doing today as an executive coach? Absolutely. I believe that when we help people, each person connect with what most matters to them, what legacy they want to have, what are their strengths, what are also those areas, those communities where they feel like they can have real impact. When you marry all those things, including joy, and as leaders, managers help to develop that, each of us individually contributing our authentic strengths and skills makes an amazing team. And so my focus now on diverse leaders, particularly women of color leaders, it's all about helping women of color to unleash the amazing innate strengths that they already have in themselves and develop self-awareness to be able to position themselves to thrive, thrive in communities, thrive with their business, thrive in their daily activities so that what they're doing is actually just being themselves. And now they're now set up to do the work, to be in community with others, to just show up. And so it's really great because it's great for themselves and also great for the impact they're trying to have on the organization and on the world. And Aliza, what are the the unique challenges for women of color in leadership? Well, I think the first one is about worth, that many women of color, and in fact, many people struggle with imposter syndrome, the idea that, am I of value? Am I of worth? What am I doing here? Am I seen? And there's a statistic that 70% of people actually struggle with this. And it's it includes white people. So it's not just the people of color issue. The reality is that when we're stuck in this mindset of, am I enough? That is the root issue of then causing perfectionism, uh, burnout, trying too hard, operating in a way that's not authentic. And all of that takes so much mental load, brain space, exhaustion, that it's not surprising that years, maybe not even years later, people burn out and feel demoralized and wonder, what was my compass in the first place? And so a lot of these issues stem from knowing first low self-worth and the counterpoint to that is realizing that it's actually built into the system and it's reason like sometimes capitalism pushes us to buy things or do things when we want to show that we have extrinsic motive you know value when actually it's all within so if i can believe that i am enough as i am even without all those credentials then i can show up connecting truly with you david be able to listen be able to support each other collaborate and not have all these questions behind me that I'm not really meant to be in the room, not really meant to have a seat at the table. So that's a huge, huge issue with women of color. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about where this questioning of self-worth comes from in terms of how it's inculcated as part of our culture? Absolutely. So in our white dominant culture, there is, with all cultures, wanting to maintain power. And since this country was founded on slavery and genocide of our indigenous people, the white culture has risen and through capitalism has continued to main power. And so that's remained through many centuries because of people having beliefs that there is white is better and people of color, the farther you are from, you know, cisgender, following the traditional white ways is wrong or bad. That's been baked in. 
And so even when we look at ads or media or even from our family or parents who are saying, you know, why does veteran Elisa? It then isn't surprising that we feel like, oh, I need to, David, show that I'm worthy. Like I need to have all these things to show that I'm smart and I have something to contribute. So it's all baked in. So it's not surprising that many of us struggle with it. But to realize first and foremost that it's by design and it's actually not us. It's the system. So we can do something about that to realize that we have choice and who we surround ourselves with, what kind of beliefs, mindsets, mantras we practice, who in terms of our support system we can go to to know that we're not alone. And then getting support communities like yours, David, uh, coaches, any, any way therapists, all of these things help to remind us that we are a value and stop without any of the add-ons. Show up authentically and then be able to contribute your amazing, amazing strengths. Yeah. How hard is it to do? How hard is it to pull off that overcoming this um, feeling of lack of self-worth? It's not easy because if we go by the normal day-to-day, by design, it's tough going through the motions to remind ourselves. So while difficult, it's possible if we're deliberate about our surroundings, about our daily schedule. For me, for example, I start my day with meditation, reminding myself mantras that I'm of value and worth, and going for a run, filling myself both, you know, mindset and also physical support, having a family that really values me taking care of myself, spending my time working on projects that really fill me and that I can show up with my strengths and a community like your community that helps to reinforce that we're in support of each other. And so if I didn't do these things, then it would be easy, even if I consume media where there's a certain standard and I'm not feeling beautiful or I'm not feeling smart enough. It's being mindful of all of those things that we surround ourselves with, the environment that can help either elevate us or keep us down. So let's be mindful of choice. Let's be mindful of how we show up. And we can, we can convince ourselves of you know, knowing our worth because it's true. How much a part of your work as an executive coach do you focus on these issues of self-worth and choice and using the kinds of tools you just described, meditation, reminding yourself that you're a value, doing physical activities that boost your self-worth and having the right kinds of structures around you to support yourself? How much of your work is focused on this particular aspect of leadership? It's a a lot of it is, but it then forms the basis to the context. Because often when we're in situations, for example, at work, if we get clear that we're of value, then that helps us set us up to believe we should go for what we want. And we should be able to speak and share how we're feeling and make a request. But if I were to just coach someone, so say, David, we're going to talk through a promotion conversation or a salary conversation, if at the deep core of it, you don't really believe that you're worthy of the promotion or the salary, then maybe I help you with one iteration, one case, and you move forward with that. But I haven't really gotten to the deep-seated belief that you are inherently a value. So that's why we spend a lot of time on core mindset. We'll get to specific tactics, but at the core, however long we work together, I want you to walk away feeling 
gosh, you know what? I am worthy. I should go for what I want because I deserve it. That's really great. Can you talk a little bit about some of the kinds of experiences you've had working with clients around these issues and and how working at the, the core issues around mindset can really be a game changer? Absolutely. So I run this program called Boss Mamas, and it's this concept that you actually can have it all. So much of what media says is, David, as a woman, you can't have it all. You can't be able to have both work and family and self-care. It is an impossible equation. And this course actually says it is possible. It is possible when, one, you get clear that you're a value. Two, you get clear about what you even want. Because often you look around and you think, this is not what I want. I'm so unappreciated. I'm not doing the things that need to take care of my body. I'm not spending the time with my family. But we don't even ask ourselves, well, if that's not what you want, what do you want? So really getting clear about what you want and getting clear about who you are, who you are with your strengths, who you are with the community you want to be with. And then three, take it on the court because often fear, right? It's not exactly true. Like what you believe, it's either I'm going to be successful or I'm going to fail. What if I fail? The whole world will come to an end. All of those things are actually not true. And we need to push ourselves at our learning edge, which means we're going to be uncomfortable. We either can grow and be uncomfortable because discomfort and the possibility of making mistakes allow us to grow, or we can be safe. We can be safe in what we know. And what we know, if it's not working, will continue to give us more of what we don't want. So these types of curriculum for this cohort of women really help to clarify for women that they're deserving, that they can go for what they want. And as a result, I'm really excited that women have gotten promoted in their jobs. They've gotten big boosts in their salary. They've been able to tell their partner, (laughs) you know, you need to carry your weight. Um, They've been able to articulate what they want and not just at work, but at home with their children, telling our children they have to also carry their weight as well. And I love that it just keeps on giving, right? You're not trying to get one tactic, as we mentioned earlier, and move on. We're trying to get skills and beliefs that actually serve us for life. So a lot of these case studies have that in common. How long have you been running this program? For the past couple of years, it started during the pandemic as a way to bring cohorts together. And now I run programs like this and also programs even in-house with companies, how do we build our own leadership? That integration, not just with work and life, it allows us all to to thrive. And um, can we talk a little bit about how the structure of community can support your thriving as a leader? I know you've mentioned some aspects of how community is really important, particularly when it comes to self-worth. Yes. Sometimes you might have this belief that I need to be strong by myself and to ask for help to show weakness will hurt me and people will look at me and think less of me. And that's actually part of the system, right, David, to believe those things. It's part of the system. It's part of this white dominant culture that we need to be strong by ourselves when in actuality, we are so much stronger together. And I know with your community and my communities that it's actually when we're in 
groups of like-minded values, similar values, people, it helps to know, one, we're not alone, that we're all struggling together, and two, we can help each other. That by sharing the things I'm going through, you might have wisdom, advice, contacts, resources that will help me get through faster and even more more impactfully. And so it's this beauty of community and sharing and vulnerability that I think propels all of us to a whole new level, but it's counterintuitive. So to see it, see the system, then spend the time developing those relationships, it's like feeding our soul. It is very counterintuitive. And I'm really curious to know, what do you say to people, because it's counterintuitive, um, what do you say to people that may be reluctant to, to try to participate in such a community? When this happens, I often say to people two things. One is, where in your life are you spending your time? Because it's usually a time issue. And how are you spending your time? What are you prioritizing? Do you see yourself being able to carry that load more efficiently by yourself or with others? So just really trying to understand their current life and where they could use support to help carry the load others carry the load. So that's first is is just looking at their life. And then second, I would say it's the possibility. Imagine what it could be for you to have a community that helps elevate your belief in yourself, your business, your life outside of work. And understanding that vision then allows me to say, well, perhaps this is a community that might work with you or there are other options of communities, but developing their own vision then empowers them. I'm not trying to get you to join my group. I'm trying to find support for you in your current life so that life can be more in flow. It can have more joy. It can have more lightness. So all of that, it's about the person. I love that. And Aliza, what's your definition of community? My definition of community is family. It's a place where I can just show up as my authentic self, which could mean that I'm bubbly and jumping or I'm sad and I might share a story that would make me cry. It's a place where I feel safe, where I feel seen. And also I can share hard things. What's hard about the business? What's hard about life? And so all of those things, being able to have a community that sees me, values me, and allows me to show up as my authentic self. It's like home. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Annalisa, before we close out, is there anything you want to mention that I haven't asked you? I believe that with these different chapters we have, David, in life, there's such opportunities for us to pause and see what what legacy do we want to have? This is an opportunity to shift gears at work, at home, with our own self-care. And it's such an opportunity. So embrace those opportunities, lean in, find communities like yours, mine, coaches to support because we want to get there faster. Let's not be at the end of our lives regretting, oh, if I only knew. This is life to be lived now. So with the pandemic, this is there's no better time to just stop, figure it out, and get going. That's wonderful. And Aliza, if someone wants to go deeper with anything that we've talked about today, or learn more about you and your community, or access any resources that you may have, where's the best place for them to go? Absolutely. They can go to my website, analizawolf.com, A-N-A-L-I-Z-A-W-O-L-F.com, or they can contact me via LinkedIn or Instagram. 
same words. So I'm excited to connect. Great. Well, Annalisa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. Um, Share a little bit about your story, share some of your insights. It's been a great conversation. My guest today has been executive coach Annalisa Wolf. Thank you, Annalisa, for joining us. Thanks, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. On today's episode with Annalisa Kiros-Wolf, we learned how to own your value and reach your highest potential. How do you feel about where your business is today? Most of us do our best work in collaborative, supportive environments. Come explore ours. The Smashing the Plateau community can help you build your business through engaging discussions, live events, a private communication platform, accountability partners, and lots more. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com. I'm David Schreiner-Khan. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.